Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. What does the start of Big Ten Conference bring as far as just kind of raising the stakes now? Yeah, you know, the games, the games, you know, your, your goal is to win the conference. And so the, the level of importance is, is, is a little higher, obviously, uh, because, you know, your goal is to win the conference. And so, you know, here we go. Oh, yeah, we're ready. Just got to stay healthy, make sure that we, we study film like any other week and uh, just know it's going to be a, a tough road. We got away games, our first conference game going to Illinois. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. Now they're doing great. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing great, and uh, we just got to make sure that we out physical them, uh, make sure we know them better than they know themselves defensive-wise, and uh, we just got to put points on the board. I'm excited to get going with that. You know, it, it, it feels like that time. I'm, I know our team will be excited about it. I hope that a few of our players that have been down get healthy for the week so we can make a good plan with who's going to be able to play. It's good. It's good. Looking forward to it. And Big Ten Conference play is here. Welcome to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Dan Hoppen, and Robin Washett as Nebraska eked out a win, uh, a nail-biter, which really shouldn't have been a nail-biter last week over Southern Miss, uh, a 36-28 victory. Uh, just a, you know one of those uncomfortable type of games where you know, you, you know Nebraska should have won by about 20. They didn't. It's all of a sudden, I think, left guys a lot of questions. Uh, just with this team, I mean, they're 2-2. Two and two. But I think everybody kind of sees the bigger picture um, that the, the Big Ten West is improved. It's better than what people thought it was going to be. And right now, there's a lot of questions, Robin, around this Nebraska team. And we don't really have a handle yet on what they really are. Yeah, and that's probably the most frustrating thing about this season thus far is that, you know, a lot of the same questions that we had about this team going all the way back to spring ball have yet to be answered through the first month of the season. And, um, you know, there are two sides to look at it. Obviously they played improved competition and, um, you know, obviously a much bigger challenge than what they've faced in previous years. And so you kind of got to look at it. Would you like to have your team tested early and have some struggles that go along with it, or would you like to play a cupcake schedule and be four and zero at this point, and um, you know not really know anything either way? So it's 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 one of those deals where now that the Big Ten slate is here, this is when the real test begins, and you know uh, it, this is this is a new season, and I think that the good news is that uh, from at least everything the coaches and players have been saying. Uh, they're looking at, you know, starting on Saturday against Illinois as a new opportunity to kind of uh, figure out their identity. Well, you kind of mentioned it, Robin. I think that's one of the funny things about the start to this season. We thought that with Nebraska playing two higher-level opponents in BYU and Miami, we would have a better feel for this team because they weren't just playing all cupcakes. But, you know, they've just been so up and down in so many areas. You know, we've seen so many games where it's kind of been a tale of two halves or, you know, against BYU, that second quarter was just so disastrous. And I think Nebraska outplayed BYU pretty well for the rest of that game. So there's just been so many, you know, kind of roller coaster performances. It's tough to know what to expect from this team as we head into Big Ten play. I think when I look at this team, guys, I feel like Nebraska's top 20 guys are as good or better 
than anybody's top 20 in the Big Ten West. But the problem is there have been very few weeks, if any, where that top 20 is played together, and then it's the next 20. There's a significant drop-off, in my opinion, from Nebraska's top 20 players to the next 20. And I think that's what could be the the Achilles heel. If they struggle in the West and continue to have injuries, and let's face it, they're still battling injuries. I don't expect Josh Banderas to play this week. Um, I have pretty good indication. Vincent Valentine's iffy. Kevin Williams is iffy. Michael Rose-Ivy continues to be out. Jack Gangush is going to be playing with one arm on Saturday. I mean, God bless his heart, but he's not yeah. going to be as effective. Pearson Hill might be back, but even if he is, he'll be rusty. So, you know, it's still not going to be the team. Uh, but the good thing is I think this is a favorable matchup in a lot of respects to open conference play. Illinois, you know, has West Lunt. But here's a stat for you, Dan. You're, you're kind of the stat guy on this. You think Nebraska's had some drop issues. Illinois has 25 drops on the year uh, over their first four games. That's that, – I mean, that's incredible. You know, I think uh, I've got Nebraska down for seven drops right now. So wow. just to put that in perspective, <laughs> that they've would had be their, more had than the three times as many. Wow. <laughs> and what's crazy about that is they have a Bolitnikoff uh, award candidate in uh, Geronimo Allison. So I mean, <laughs> you got a guy like that and you're still dropping that many balls. Well, he's the only one, I think, catching the ball right, <laughs> right, consistently. Right. And they got Mike Dudek, who is a freshman All-Big Ten player that was uh, blew his ACL out in the offseason. So they're missing him, but still. Well, and for Nebraska, they, they've got a great draw for their conference road games. You have Illinois with an interim head coach. Um, you know, who took over for Tim Beckman. Um, then you've got Purdue, who's got Daryl Hazel, who could be on the way out. You've got Rutgers on the road with Kyle Flood, who's suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have Minnesota's su- the tough one. Yeah, Minnesota's your only legitimate one, but they can't score. Yeah, they, got no they can't offense. throw, and they can't score. So I think from a perspective of matchups, when you start to talk Big Ten, Nebraska drew – they have a great draw. I mean, they couldn't have got a better road draw this year Dan yeah and I think that's you know part of the reason that fans should have a lot of optimism is that most of Nebraska's toughest conference games are at home you know you're going to get Wisconsin at home and you're probably going to get a Wisconsin without Corey Clements all of a sudden Northwestern looks like they might be legit you get them at home you get Iowa at home I mean all the games that are kind of in Michigan State too. I can't believe all, I all the games. I can't yeah. believe I forgot. Other that than one. Minnesota, yeah. I mean, you know, all those games that are kind of toss ups or games where Nebraska might not be favorable. Guess what? They're going to be played in Lincoln, which doesn't guarantee a victory. Obviously, we've already seen them lose at home once this year, but it certainly helps. Yeah, you, you look at the schedule, and after Illinois, Robin, it really gets going. You know, you have Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, three straight weeks in a row with those teams, and. I think that's part of the thinking with Josh Banderas. He could play this week, but you're playing a spread team, a nickel week, where you're not going to need as many linebackers. You need Josh Banderas more for that stretch than you do, I think, Saturday in Champaign. Yeah, and you could say that for the front seven in general. I mean, that's probably a big reason why Vincent Valentine maybe held out just to make sure he's ready to go because, uh, you know, like you said, after Illinois, you got three straight grinder teams. And, you know, Northwestern's deceivingly physical. I mean, they run that spread, but they still run the ball. Uh, so, I mean, th- those three games, you know, that, that three-week span, I think, is going to be the defining uh, spread of this season. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's if Nebraska is able to somehow survive that with its head above water, you have a completely different outlook on the season, and legitimately, they're contenders in the Big Ten West. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen. We're talking the start of Big Ten for Nebraska as they 
kind of answer a lot of questions. They still have a lot of questions to answer about this team. Uh, but, you know, it starts a new season uh, with Big Ten Conference play. Uh, one guy that I think Nebraska hopes will continue on the pace he's on is quarterback Tommy Armstrong. You look at what he's done. Uh, he was the co-Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Um, I mean, who would have thought, guys, Nebraska would be leading the Big Ten in passing and one of the top passing offenses in the nation? I mean, it's just one of those things where you just never even think of that. But who also would have thought Nebraska would be dead last in passing defense and pretty much penalties? I mean, there are, there are so many things that you can't get your hands on, and that's what I think frustrates Husker fans. They want to know everything. They want their hands on this team. They want to say, hey, we're a 9-10 win team. We can win the division, and they don't know that, and that's, I think, what the frustrating thing is. Oh, absolutely. Going back to Tommy real quick because I'm a guy who's been you know, fairly critical of him in the past I've because I've questioned What was his preseason ranking on your list, Dan? Uh, I want to say seven or eight. I think it was nine. Well, regardless, yeah, yeah. it's it's close enough. But <laughs> I, I'll I'll eat, I'll eat my crow right now. Obviously, we've got a lot of season left, but I think he's been far and away Nebraska's most valuable player and probably their best player to this point. Uh, he's he's been really really good, and I give a lot of credit to Danny Langsdorf too. I like how he's crafted this offense um, to kind of suit Tommy's strengths. Uh, Tommy um, is completing. 77% of his passes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, they're just having him throw a ton of short, you know, crossing passes, swing passes, screen passes, and Tommy has just done great with it, and I think it's done wonders for this offense. Well, and as, as a Giants fan, I always like to point out that's the exact same formula uh, Langsdorf was a part of last season to make Eli Manning uh, re- reduce those turnovers and made him a completely different quarterback. And so, uh, you know, you get there's, – there's a whole philosophy behind that. I mean, you, you – don't expose your quarterbacks to unnecessary risks and put them in vulnerable situations to turn the ball over. All of a sudden, their confidence gets higher. They make more confident throws, and they have more production as a result of it. Well, guys, we'll pick up the offensive conversation and give thoughts more on Pearsonell, his return, what it means. Will he even play on Saturday? We'll talk all about that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're glad he's back. Nothing's going to change. You know, we got another weapon on the field. You know, we got a bunch of things that we can do out wide with those guys that have have talent. You know, like I said, nothing's going to change. We've been playing the same way. We're going to keep playing the same way. We got playmakers out wide, playmakers in the backfield. We just got to keep doing doing the same thing that we've been doing. Yeah, he's all over me. He, he was all over me the first week. He said he was going to get like fake bones put in his foot or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's you know he's a, he's a he's he's a football player and he wants to be out there. So it's natural that he, he'd be a little anxious. But you know he understands we need to be smart about it also at the same time. And back here at the Husker Online Show, that was wide receiver coach Keith Williams and quarterback Tommy Armstrong talking about the possible return of wide receiver DeMornay Pearsonell. And I think it, it is up in the air how much we'll see of him. You know, early in the week, he wasn't even doing the team portions of practice. It was uh, just side stuff. In fact, he was on the side um, catching passes from backup punter Tyson Brockmeyer, I was told, on Tuesday. So Tyson kind of taking on a Swiss Army knife roll, backup holder, backup punter, and throwing balls to the Mornay Pearsonell in practice. So I don't a know. Jack what, of all trades. Jack, he, and that's that's a perfect walk-on guy. He does everything you ask him to do. Uh, but I don't know, Robin, how much we're going to see. I mean, I, I'm kind of leaning on 
very minimal, 10 plays maybe at the most yeah, Saturday. That'd be my guess too. But uh, here's the deal with DeMornay. I mean, just having him out there, no matter what the capacity, changes opposing defenses' game plans. I mean, and special teams' game plans, just because he is such an electric playmaker and maybe arguably maybe next to Tommy Armstrong, the best playmaker they have uh, on this offense. I mean, he's a guy that scored seven touchdowns last year between uh, receiving touchdowns and punt return touchdowns. And uh, that was third on the team behind only Armstrong and Amir Abdullah. So, I mean, obviously you add that back into your arsenal, uh, everything becomes more potent. Like I, like I said, not only do you add another legitimate receiving threat, uh, but in that return game, I mean, you are forcing teams to take into account that, you know, the an all-American punt returner is back there trying to run it back. 20 targets for DeMorne Pearson now the last three games last year. He really started to get involved with the offense at the end of the season. Once he started to feel comfortable, they were getting him the ball. Now, like uh, like you guys both mentioned, he's probably going to be limited. He's probably you know not going to see the full um, the full amount of snaps that he normally would. And with Nebraska's deep receiving core, with all these guys playing as well as they are, they don't really need him to. They can kind of ease him back and into it. If you risk that, because if he hurts it again, he's done for the year. Exactly, and he's going to have to take a red shirt at that and point. And you don't want that. And it, it just would be not a disaster, but just terrible for his future, his mental psyche. And he's anxious. You know, I, I tried to grab him on Tuesday to get him for a comment off the field, and he didn't want to talk. I mean, I think he was probably frustrated that he couldn't be out there doing more than what he was doing. So they've had to really slow him down. I envision, though, when he's back, you know, we've seen Jordan Westerkamp get a lot of these little short, kind of what almost like a running play. I, I think you're going to see a lot of those short um, hitch routes to him. Uh, where he can do things in space, and, and Westerkamp's already proven he can do it really well uh, this season. Well, and how many times have we seen Alonzo Moore take that jet sweep? I mean, Alonzo, to his credit, has looked great doing it, and Alonzo is you know a very good player. Now put DeMornay Pearsonell, who's probably the most electric player on the team in that role. I think that's pretty fun to think about. You know, Keith Williams is joking, Robin. Um, it's no slam dunk that – Westercamp or uh, Pearsonell takes that pump return job back from, uh-huh. and they were saying if Westercamp ran one back, um, then they're like, hey, you know, you got to earn your job back tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, he's done a pretty serviceable job too. And, uh, you know, going back to Dan's comment about Alonzo Moore, I mean, he's averaging 10 yards a carry on those jet sweeps. I mean, so he's, he's, he's been, been great. plenty productive. And that's the good thing for Nebraska that. You know, despite losing a, a guy with the ability of DeMorne Pearsonell, they've had guys been able to step up and fill that void pretty well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppin, as we get ready for our trip to Champaign to watch the Huskers open Big Ten play. And for one player on this team, the trip to Champaign is going to be pretty special. Junior wide receiver Jordan Westerkamp won three state championships on Memorial Stadium's field there in Champaign at Montini Catholic. In fact, his senior year, he had over 350 yards receiving and five touchdowns and a huge win over Joliet Catholic. I know talking to Kim Westerkamp, the mother of Jordan, they have over 100 family members, not friends, family members alone that are going to be in Champaign. Wow. And, and you can bet uh, oh, man. 
Jordan Westerkamp is going to be excited for this game uh, with all the family and friends and just the history he has there in Champaign. That's a little more than the 30 friends and family he pr- projected on Monday. But yeah, uh, this is obviously a big deal for him, not only uh, with his track record of success at Memorial Stadium out there, but, you know, I mean, his dad was an Illini. You know, he was on the Big Ten championship team in 1983. And uh, so Illinois football uh, kind of goes, runs deep with the Westerkamp family. And so for uh, the first time in his career after playing Illinois twice in Lincoln, uh, to be able to go out there to Champaign, which is, I think, two and a half hours from uh, Lombard, where he's from. I mean, this is this is a big deal, and it's going to be an opportunity for uh, Jordan to, to really have a, a special moment in his career. Hey, let's shift over, Dan, to running backs. I mean, th- this has still kind of been somewhat of a hot to- topic discussion amongst Husker fans. Terrell Newby has been, I would say, serviceable at best. He just has not been able to give you more than what's there. And, you know, last week against Southern Miss, uh, the running backs were under 100 yards. If not for Andy Janovich and if not for Tommy Armstrong, those rushing numbers would look very pedestrian on Saturday. What is your take this week on the running back? I mean, it seems like they're pretty married still to Terrell Newby. And, you know, the the, uh, Mikhail Wilbon club needs to – uh, quiet down a little bit here. Yeah, I hate to disappoint Nebraska fans who have anointed Mikhail Wilbon as the best player on the team, but you need to pump the brakes on that a little bit because, I mean, maybe he'll get some opportunities in the coming weeks, but it's not going to be any 20-carry games or anything like that. Terrell Newby is, for better or for worse, he's the guy. And really, if you look at his numbers on the surface, they're nothing to complain about. I mean, last week he averaged 4.2 yards per carry. That's not great, not horrible. But I think the thing with him, and Reggie Davis talked a little bit about it this week, is just that indecisiveness sometimes, especially on those outside runs. You kind of want the running back to take the ball, you know, kind of run along the line of scrimmage a little bit, hit his hole, see his hole, and then just hit it hard. Just put his foot in the ground, get upfield. Newbie doesn't always do that. He kind of stutters or, you know, he doesn't. He, he maybe sees it, but he's hesitant to get in there. and that's It causes the, a lot of holding penalties, too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing with him is I, I think the talent is there. I think he's got speed. I think he's got quickness. He doesn't really break tackles, but he's got some ability. He just isn't making those decisions fast enough. Yeah, and that those stretch play cutbacks, like you mentioned, I mean, that's what Amir Abdullah did so well. I mean, how many of those times, have we see, even seen it with the Detroit Lions, you know, his ability to just find that hole and then burst. Put his foot in the ground yeah, and go. Yeah, and that, that's what you have to be able to do on those types of plays, and obviously with the amount that they've run it, that's a huge part of Nebraska's running game, and so uh, obviously Newby has to get that figured out as do the rest of the running backs, and uh, I guess the one thing in his favor is uh, the coaching staff seems pretty comfortable with him there calling him the most complete back they have and I think he'll continue to get the lion's share of the work I think I'm going to ask Danny Langstorff though if he enjoys reading the sports writer Michael Wilbon just just to mess with him one day just to because did he get asked the question this week again uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, he did, uh, and he talked about. Uh, was it from our friends at the ticket? Or who? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, it may, may have been our buddy John Gaskins. But uh, yeah, I mean, but it's the reason you asked that because the Nebraska fans are asking the same thing every single Saturday. I mean, there's been two straight games where he hasn't got the ball. It hasn't even been on the field. So, um, you know, after showing some flashes early on in those first two games, he's kind of uh, worked his way out of the rotation, and obviously Nebraska fans are trying to figure out why. All right, we're going to shift over to defensive talk. Possible return now of Jack Gangwish this week, but still some linebackers out. Nebraska dead last in passing defense. Lots to talk about on the defensive side of the ball. That's all next year on the Husker Online Show. 
This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think the main thing is you can't panic. They always say the wolves, the dogs, smell, smell panic, right? Um, so you just can't panic. What you got to do is you got to take it, take it game by game, mm-hmm. look at it, talk to the players, be you know very clear and precise about what they look like, what we want to look like, what our goal is, and what we want to put on tape. And just say, then we need to do that at practice, day in and day out, and in the games. And we got to finish. Did they mentally maybe just get out of there? I mean, you guys had such a good first half, I think six straight stops by the defense. And then second half, was there kind of a point where mentally maybe guys lost focus and it turned in that game? No, I I couldn't answer that. You probably would have to ask one of the the players that. I just know um, no matter what the scoreboard says, you got to compete and you got to think about what you're putting on tape. And that's what I told them. Back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washat, Dan Hoppin, and that was secondary coach Brian Stewart, who has walked into a pretty tough situation here. Nebraska ranked dead last in passing defense right now in the country. Uh, they're giving up 379.5 yards per game, uh, good for 127th ranked nationally. Uh, passing efficiency defense, Nebraska ranked 102 right now. Total defense, 102. Surprisingly, though, rushing defense, the Huskers are number seven, number one in the Big Ten. Uh, but everybody has kind of figured out, hey, pass until these guys can stop it. And uh, that's what's kind of scary about this matchup, guys, when you look at Illinois. They've had the drops problems, but you know Westlunk can throw. Um, you, you know Bill Cubitt is a good mind, Robin. Um, so the secondary, until they can – get under 300 yards a game. I mean, people are gonna keep trying to throw at them. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the formula is out there for how you move the ball against Nebraska. And, uh, you know, until they show that they can adjust and stop that, teams are going to continue to try and do it. And uh, one thing I expect Illinois to do uh, quite a bit is what Southern Miss was able to do in that fourth quarter, and that's manipulate uh, the running backs against linebackers by splitting them out wide, getting them in one-on-one matchups in the open field, and basically – asking Chris Weber, whoever it is, to try and cover a running back with 4-4 speed in the open field. I mean, that's a win every single time for the offense. And so, um, you know, I think when you look back to Monday, when Mike Riley said they're going to overview everything schematically and just figure out what what we can do to make this better, that's got to be one thing that they address because they can't continue to put their linebackers in those types of situations because, like I said, 99% of the time you're going to lose. When you look, Dan, at this Illinois offense, so they're not explosive. I mean, they have one receiver averaging – over double-digit yards per catch. That's Geronimo Allison, 15.1 yards per reception. Other than that, you've got guys that are 9.2, 6.7, 6.7, 9.0. So not a real explosive group of receivers, which is a little bit different than what Nebraska has seen the last four weeks. They've had a lot of big play guys go up and make plays on them. So that does intrigue me a little bit on the matchup this week. Well, unfortunately, I think Nebraska's play has kind of helped (laughs) some of those deep plays emerge. They just, for whatever reason... They have not defended the deep pass well at all. And Mark Banker kind of talked about it uh, after the game last Saturday. He was like, yeah, teams have kind of figured out, just go out and throw it up against us, and you know, you'll know, you get you'll get something. And uh, you look at opposing passers against Nebraska, they're averaging 8.7 yards per attempt. Not completion, per attempt. That's 115th in the country. That's a huge number. And, you know, it, it is going to be interesting this week. When you look at Illinois, which hasn't been – an overly explosive passing offense. They've been efficient, but not explosive. 
where Nebraska is giving up a lot of big plays, is that going to continue, or is Illinois going to be able to maybe you know find some success in the deep game if Nebraska continues to struggle? And Blake Lawrence on Big Red Wrap-Up this week, a former Husker linebacker, now uh, entrepreneur, had a heck of a stat that I wasn't aware of. Uh, Blake does a film breakdown, Robin, where he goes through every play, looks at every play, and there was not one ball thrown last week by Southern Miss where, you know, if Nebraska didn't get a hurry or like just a normal clean throw that was defended properly by Nebraska. Wow. Um, you know, there were plays where Nebraska hurried the quarterback out to the quarterback. When the quarterback threw the ball in his normal drop with normal footwork every single time, like, you know, when the ball was in play to make a play on it, uh, Southern Miss won that play. Yeah. Nebraska did not win one of those. And that just, you know, drives you nuts because what we saw from the secondary all offseason was going to be maybe the strength of, I mean, easily the defense, uh, but maybe the, one of the strengths on the entire team just with how deep and talented they seem to be. And so for them to lose this consistently in those one-on-one matchups I think is a real concern and you got to wonder what the root of that problem is i mean is it just players not making plays or is there something schematically in this defense that's putting them in poor positions uh to, to defend the pass i i think honestly you've got a lot of corners that aren't good enough to play bump and run yeah um, i think kalu can do it i think chris jones has the ability to do it after that jonathan rose daniel davy i think there's a reason why we didn't see them play a lot in the Pelini system davy played obviously uh, but he was pretty inconsistent, so he hasn't been healthy. This was like the first year they were really going to count on him to to be the the main corner. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's just a scheme thing without those safeties behind the play. And I think the other thing you hear a lot of people talk about, and Joe Gans has said this as well, Nebraska gives the quarterback a very accurate pre-snap read, and that's half the battle. When the quarterback knows before the play exactly what the coverage is, exactly where the mic is, exactly where the safety's at, and what the look is, um, that's a heck of an advantage the quarterback has going into those plays. Absolutely. That's a great point, Sean. And and I think, you know, it's not all on the secondary guys, too. I mean, that pass rush just has not been there at all. If, you know, as much as we, we love freedom, um, <laughs> and he's, he's done a fantastic job, and he's gotten much better every week. He's been their only consistent source of pass rush, and he's still – you know, pretty inconsistent himself. He's getting some sacks, but he's not back there every single play. So these guys are kind of being left on an island, and they're not getting a lot of help from their defensive line and any guys who are blitzing either. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and uh, let's talk more about just the linebacker position this week. It looks like it's going to be just another one of those games where um, it's going to be a patchwork-type group. I mean, Chris Weber, I thought, played well. I mean, he, to me – is a poor man's Josh Banderas. He's probably a step slower, but he's in the right place. He makes tackles. He doesn't make mistakes. And that uh, I've been very impressed with Weber. Uh, Luke Gifford, you know, will be counted on again this week. Marcus Newby should be ready to go. Mm-hmm. We know he missed last week. He but says he will be. He'll be ready this week. And then Dedrick Young. So those will be the guys. It's going to be a nickel week. So a lot of Byerson Cockrell and Aaron Williams will be on the field in different situations. I mean, that's is that kind of what they've been doing on the nickel um, Aaron Williams can play safety and Byerson Cockrell moves down or does Kalu move into the nickel? Or what? Yeah, Kalu's the nickel and so it's a matter of what they do with those other corners and so you've seen a lot of Jonathan Rose, Chris Jones uh, kind of manning those corner spots when Kalu moves inside. And they could, I mean, if they ever wanted to go dime, Cockrell can play. Yeah, that's kind of when Aaron Williams comes in, yeah. I think, when they go dime. And it'll be interesting just to see what Bill Cubitt does because he's had success moving the ball in Nebraska but their defense has been atrocious. I think 
Here's a stat, though. Uh, Illinois was very conservative under Tim Beckman. The one change with their defense this year, now that Beckman's gone, they've been way more aggressive uh, with their, their scheme. They're number nine nationally in tackles for loss, where they they were almost dead last last year. So they're trying to dictate things more with their defense versus letting it come to them. And we saw how that went last year with Amir Abdullah running all over Illinois. Right, and that's where this offensive philosophy with Tommy Armstrong, I think, is going to favor Nebraska because they're they're going to probably call plays. If Illinois tries to dial it up on every single play, they'll just get the ball out of Tommy's hands as quickly as possible and let those receivers go out there and do work against one-on-one open field situations. So I think Nebraska has a system that can counter that pretty well, a heck of a lot better than some other schools that, you know, rely on, you know, more pocket presence from the quarterback. So, um, you know, Tommy gives them an edge there, but uh, I think the, the, key here is going to be not only stopping Geronimo Allison, but stopping Josh Ferguson, the running back. Again, if they continue to let Ferguson get one-on-one matchups against linebackers, that's going to be a real issue for Nebraska. Well, we'll close up with Robin and Dan here in our next segment, and we'll talk Stockwatch. Who's trending up? Who's trending down? You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, we've all known for such a long time that he's he's a great athlete, great football player, you know. And, you know, in practice, he's knocking skulls every day like he's in the Super Bowl. And he's running routes, he's running like he's in the Olympics. It's it's amazing. But, um, man, to see uh, to see him finally get the opportunity to go out there and show what he can do, was that was pretty special for me. Um, he's been a good friend of mine. Man, I'm happy for him. Do you enjoy the uh, under-the-radar role you kind of had, or you, are you enjoying the spotlight role that you've had? I, I prefer being under the radar. <laughs> I don't like a lot of attention. It was, it was nice for one day. And back here on the Husker Online Show, Andy Janovich there, uh, the fullback who's maybe the hottest name in, in the state of Nebraska right now amongst Husker fans after his big performance of nearly 120 yards of offense on six touches. Welcome back to the Husker Online Show. We are in the Stockwatch segment. Sean Callahan, Robin Watchett, Dan Hoppenden. Let's start with Andy Janovich, guys. I mean, he is kind of the toast of the town. People are excited. I mean, we got the fullback. We got the hashtags. Janovica. Uh, I mean, he's the nephew of Jerry Murtaugh. I mean, does it get any better than the story of Andy Janovich? It was probably the most Husker thing that's happened in a long time. I mean, getting the fullback not only involved, but to see him making the types of plays he did. I think the funniest tweet that I saw about that was that uh, come uh, June 2016, there's probably going to be a baby boom in Nebraska <laughs> nine months from <laughs> just, now. So <laughs> I enjoy just seeing like just the old guy hard clap when the fullback got just like, yeah! hey, well we heard him up in the press box i mean <laughs> it's very rare that you hear cheering in the press box but some of the old coaches or or players or whoever was up there when just even before janovich is like breaking tackles and stuff just as soon as he gets the handoff it's yeah <laughs> just, just the passionate old yeah. man i told you so exactly give the ball to the fullback yeah. Give it to him. There was a lot of vindication on those plays. We told you, coaches, the fullback. Right. And, right. you know, and Andy Janovich is the leader of our stock up segment. Got a couple more to get to. Robin, uh, who do you have stock up? Stock up, I'm going to go Freedom Akamuladun, uh, the defensive end who just picked up his black shirt on Monday, uh, the 14th black shirt on the defense. Uh, really a nice reward for him, uh, especially for a guy that uh, has really been the only source of pass rush off the edge uh, for Nebraska and has really filled in about as well as anyone could have hoped when 
Jack Gangwish went down. And with, with Jack coming back, all of a sudden, you know, there's a little more depth uh, at that defensive end spot. Hey, serious question. Do you really, you guys think he'd be at defensive end with the previous staff right now, or would he have stayed at tight end? That's hard. That's a good question. I mean, it probably tight end. That's where they put him. Yeah. So you'd I, think they would have left him there. As a recruit, I can remember asking Papuchas and Kaczynski that many a times, and they had zero interest at that time. They didn't think he had the skill set to be a defensive end. So <laughs> it's pretty scary to think where they'd be at that position uh, without freedom. Oh, it's. I think it's pretty downright terrifying, to be honest. And the best thing is, I mean, the guy's just getting started. So a couple years from now, I mean, he's only a redshirt freshman, right? So, I mean, he's got plenty of room to grow. And, you know, by the time he's done, he could be a legitimate force. I mean, the fact that he's passed up guys like Cedric King, um, AJ, Natter. AJ Natter, Joe Keels, you basically have, you have a walk-on in Ross Azuris and a converted tight end that have passed those guys up. So that, that kind of gives you a snapshot. Yeah. Um, of, that's, that's a whole different segment in itself. Right? That's a uh, that's a whole other show and a six pack of beer. Yeah, <laughs> You're listening exactly. to the Husker Online Show. Dan will close out stock up. Who's your guy? Well, this is going to be one that maybe doesn't make sense or doesn't seem to make sense on the surface. But I'm going to go with Amir Abdullah, uh, the former Husker. He's a Detroit Lion. He's kind of you know been not overly productive the last couple weeks. This last week, eight carries for 23 yards against the Broncos, but he did score a touchdown. The reason that I think he's a stock up is because Joyke Bell, their starting running back, has just looked like hot garbage through these first three weeks. So I think Amir is going to see his opportunities continue to grow, continue to increase. And that's a guy, you know, the more chances you give him, you know he's going to make something out of it. So I I think he's going to hopefully usurp that starting job soon and uh, just develop into the full-time back he should be. All right, I'm, I'm going to start now. We, we go to the, the glass half empty here, the, the stock down, and it's discipline. Nebraska dead last in penalty yardage nationally, and they're still dead last in passing. And a lot of that just comes down to dis- passing defense, excuse me, uh, the, the discipline. And it's really the two most eye-popping stats. In my time covering the team, I don't recall Nebraska ever being dead last in a major category, especially, especially like passing defense. But the penalty one is just totally unacceptable right now. Well, I mean, they've completely changed the course of Nebraska's season when you think about it. I mean, uh, when you consistently shoot yourself in the foot, I mean, it's going to be hard to compete with good teams, and we've seen that. And uh, that was the reason when Mark Banker, uh, after practice on Monday, said the theme of the week for not only the defense, the entire team was discipline and that that the penalties have to be corrected because they can't continue to set themselves back before you know that they even snap the ball i mean a lot of this procedural stuff is just inexcusable and then uh dan who do you have stock down well for the second straight week i'm gonna go with alex lewis and uh of course you know we all remember his infamous twitter facebook whatever it was post a couple weeks ago he's the victim yeah (laughs) we're the bad guys well see that's that's the thing here you know i'm not gonna you know jump on the kid for making a mistake in the heat of the moment i think he should have known better but whatever but he hasn't talked to the media since then and uh, a media member tried to grab him as he was walking off the practice field the other day just said hey alex you know are you free to talk today he said i'm not talking to you guys he's he's making it you know like it's Everyone Us else against the world. Yeah, he's making it like it's everyone else's fault. I actually think that he's a smart, intelligent guy. I think if he would just stop and talk to the media and not, you know, try and blow everyone off, I think that there's a good, intelligent discussion to be had here where he could explain his side of the story. You know, you could have a. How is it our fault? You, that, that's what I don't yeah, get. He, oh, it, he it makes it. no sense at all. 
But you could have a good back-to-back about, you know, the interaction between fans and players on social media and how toxic it can be and how we can maybe fix it and everything. But he won't even talk because he he says that it's, you know, it, he's well, he's not taking responsibility for it. He's acting like it's everyone else's fault, like you guys said. And then finally, Robin, uh, we're sticking to tight ends. Who's your stock down? Yeah, I mean, Seathan Carter, where has that impact been from him? I mean, going into the year, I think there was a lot of, I mean, ourselves included, thought that he could be in for a huge breakout finally because we all see the athletic potential that he brings to the table but he's been an absolute non-factor and uh, Dan I know you have some of the actual statistics of you know just how little he's been involved but uh, for for a guy that you know seemingly is as good and talented as he is for him to just be a a complete uh, zero in this offense has just been extremely frustrating two catches on nine targets for six yards also has a drop yeah, so that's yeah, that in itself very shows. disappointing. And he got suspended for the first two games. Like, don't forget that. That's just another thing against him right now. And Dan, a potential stock up for next week: a barbecue restaurant in Champagne. Mm. Oh my gosh, I have been. I, I found this place online because I I googled about it because I'm crazy for barbecue. This Black Dog Smoke and Ale House. It looks amazing. And then uh, barbecue check. Yes, microbrew beer. Check. And what more do you need? Those are the two check marks that we need. And then uh, an Illinois native actually just tweeted me, just reached out to me and said, hey, you got to check out Black Dog. So I'm like, yep, we're doing it. That could be one of those like late lunches that's basically like a a two-meal meal. Yeah. Well, I I plan on eating enough that would probably be about 5,000 calories. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So stay tuned as we might have more on the stock up of barbecue and champagne. Well, guys, looking forward to seeing you in Champagne. Um, Hopefully... Uh, we have a safe, easy trip out there. Yep, should be fun. And that wraps it up. We'll have Nate Klaus join the program next to get his thoughts on Husker recruiting, including a trip out to Los Angeles this weekend where he'll be watching Husker quarterback commit Patrick O'Brien. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we close things out. We're talking recruiting, and Nate, it was a, a light recruiting weekend for Nebraska, uh, as those 11 a.m. games are, are always that way. You're just not going to get a lot of guys in unless they have a bye week or you know they can drive or a rare case of a 6 a.m. Saturday morning flight that's direct, uh, which is extremely rare. You don't see that very often, but uh, give us a rundown of, of what happened this past weekend uh, over Southern Miss. Jordan Elliott, the uh, uh, you know highly recruited defensive tackle out of Houston Westside High School, uh, was able to make it in. You know one of the one of the few guys that you know they could actually get on campus given the the early start time. However, he did miss you know the first half of the game, so that wasn't ideal. But he came in and, and saw a, a pretty decent game. You know towards the finish and, and was able to get a feel for the atmosphere. You know and everything that goes around a game day so that was good and he saw the need you know for for a playmaker up front in the defensive line too so um, you know going forward I think the one thing that that was really impressed um, you know that he was really impressed with was the fact of you know everything that Nebraska has uh, to help benefit their players whether it be you know the academic support or all the technology and the the sports performance lab or in the weight room I mean everything that he saw he was really impressed with um, you know the life skills department 
it was another thing that uh, that he really you know took away from his visit at Nebraska and coming in you know USC and Texas were, were kind of I think his leaders and in Nebraska really closed that gap there you know he will be taking all five of his official visits he has one scheduled to Oklahoma coming up in November uh, we'll be taking another trip uh, to Texas uh, which he's visited unofficially and uh, USC and Michigan are, are uh, you know the other teams that Nebraska is kind of battling with but those are the teams that you want to see Nebraska going to toe-to-toe here for um, you know with Jordan Elliott and every other prospect out there so um, you know overall good weekend um, but just uh, low numbers because of that early start time and then again you mentioned he got here uh, it wasn't until um, the uh, second half so that was that a deal where he was just on like a later flight or, or what was the deal why he was so late I think his flight was supposed to get into town right around 1030, 10, 1030. But by the time they got, you know, got him, um, you know, unloaded from the airplane and from Omaha to Lincoln, you know, with all the traffic and everything, he didn't actually get into the stadium until right around the, the beginning of that third quarter. So, uh, again, not ideal, but it was enough that he was able to, to really get a feel for the atmosphere and for the, you know, the fan support and everything like that. My guess is these coaches will, will uh, approach these 11 a.m. games a little bit different going forward they're, they're just difficult to work with and you have to think the Iowa game is going to be 11 and uh, you know you already know Wisconsin's going to be a 230 game um, and then Northwestern's the the other home game one of the other home games left that could be a 230 but it's hard to say going forward uh, before we we kind of preview that Wisconsin weekend kind of what looms ahead Nate let, let's talk more about what you've got coming up this week both you and Greg Peterson from Husker Online are going to be traveling out to Los Angeles here over the weekend uh, to check out Patrick O'Brien and, and uh, Markel Desmuke, both Husker commits, and looking at a few other uh, potential Husker targets. That's right. It's a pretty exciting week. Uh, you know, we'll be heading out to uh, San Juan Hills High School to check out Patrick O'Brien, you know, Nebraska's four-star quarterback commit. who's just really lighting the world on fire so far through his senior season. You know, he's thrown for over 1,300 yards and uh, 15 touchdowns, only two interceptions, completing a little over 80% of his passes. So having an outstanding standing senior season uh, and then the turnaround right the, the next night and be able to see um, you know Husker uh, defensive back commit Markel Dismuke and then all of those underclassmen at Calabasas High School that Nebraska is going you know very hard after uh, you talk about guys like wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson Jr. the five-star cornerback Darnay Holmes arrivals 100 quarterback uh, Tristan Gebbia um, and then even 2018 wide receiver Brian Hightower which Nebraska has offered already all those guys uh, are very interested in Nebraska and and will actually be coming up for the uh, the Wisconsin game um, you know which will mark the you know the fourth time for Keyshawn Johnson Jr. that he's been on campus and all those other guys it will be either their second visit or their third trip to, to Lincoln here just since this past March so you really have to like Nebraska's chances um, and how they're kind of setting up that 2017 class just at Calabasas High School specifically. Yeah when you look at just this group in general how big of a chip is this in the recruiting pot right now for Nebraska because it does seem like it's one of the better uh, hands they have right now in recruiting just the relationships they have out there with the school and the and what they've been able to do in just a year it's huge for nebraska because you know and i've been saying it all along that the 2016 class is going to be good but the potential of this 2017 class is just through the roof and it, and it starts and ends with this calabasas group you know i think they they lead for Keyshawn johnson jr and he is a key chip in all of this because of uh the obviously the relationship that his father has with mike riley and he's played a 
large role in, in, you know, informing these kids all about Mike Riley and, and uh, you know, what a great coach he is. And, and really, you know, he's spoken, you know, so highly of Mike Riley and, and has said how much he owes Mike Riley for his, his career, not only in college, but obviously in the NFL. And uh, that's really grabbed the attention of these kids. And when they've gotten on campus, they've absolutely loved it. So this is, a, a, you know, just a, a huge opportunity for Nebraska to make a, a big splash in that 2017 class. And if they can get just one or two of these guys, it could really set off, uh, you know, a lot of dominoes to fall their way. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus are wrapping things up with recruiting talk. And uh, Nate, Nebraska, it was announced this week that the Wisconsin game will be a 2.30 p.m. ABC and I know you being a former guy that used to work in the recruiting offices at Nebraska, that would probably be a sigh of relief knowing the amount of work that's ahead. Uh, you've got the full morning to fly guys in. It's going to be busy regardless of if that game's at 2.30 or whenever. Uh, but how big of a relief is it that that game will be 2.30? That's a huge weight off your shoulders, knowing that you have a larger window to get these kids on, on campus. It's still not the best-case scenario because even finding flights from the West Coast into Lincoln or Omaha to get there before the, the kickoff at 2.30 can be somewhat difficult. You know, the good thing is is uh, this is about the point in the year where, you know, some teams are having, you know, bye weeks or, or playing on a Thursday. And, and um, you know, I know that the Nebraska's, recruiting support staff has has mapped out all the schedules on all the kids that they're uh, you know recruiting and are working these guys to to get them on campus only two visitors officially uh, you know set up to to take their visits uh, for that Wisconsin game and one of which is Patrick O'Brien the quarterback commit and then Nehemiah Augustus is you know a, a DB linebacker type of recruit out of Louisiana that Nebraska is very high on you know six foot you know 205 pound athlete that really is pretty versatile player kind of fits the mold of what we've seen him go after you know when you talk about an Antonio Reed or a Muhammad Barry of last year so um, you know those two guys will be in officially uh, for sure and then I, I think that they're going to be making a large push at getting you know, a player like offensive tackle Matt Farniak on campus um, there's a couple cornerbacks down in Florida Trayvon Mullins uh, Chris McWilliams those two guys uh, they're, they're really going after to, to try and get on campus and then a couple of other you know highly regarded wide receivers like uh, Clyde LaFleur Chris and uh, DeAndre Overton, which is a big bodied, you know, 6'5, you know, 205 pound wide receiver out of North Carolina that has Nebraska in his top five. So this could really be, the, you know, the, the marquee recruiting weekend of the season. And, and they're going to be taking full advantage of, of that uh, 230 window and, and really just the matchup and the atmosphere that's going to be in Lincoln for that game. And Nate, briefly here before we wrap things up, uh, right now, 15 commits for 2016. What's the number in your eyes? I know it changes all the time. What do you or what have you heard the final number at as of today? Well, right now, 23 for sure. And and I expect them to, you know, I think by the, the time signing day rolls around, we'll be looking at a full class, you know, 25, maybe even 26, um, you know, in this class. And you know, the one thing that, that we've that's become abundantly clear is that this uh, coaching staff is is they're going to maximize all their chances, um, you know, with, with recruiting and with their scholarship numbers. 
numbers and they're not going to, uh, you know, let anything just kind of go by the wayside. They're going to be taking full advantage and, and bringing guys in. You know, last year they oversigned by three and everyone was all concerned about how, you know, how are they going to get those, those three guys? It was a guys. big discussion for months on the RSS. Yeah, that's right. And, and it all worked out. You know, We're talking they, about you, old red. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but it all worked out and, and, uh, you saw Nebraska maximize their, their 85 scholarships and that's what they're going to do with this class again. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I'm sure some needs will change, but I, I really do think that it'll be between 23 and 26 by the time, uh, early February rolls around. Well, Nate, safe travels to California. We're looking forward to the coverage out there with you guys. All right. Thanks. And that wraps it up here. Uh, make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. Myself, Robin Washett, and Dan Hoppin. We will be in Champaign, Illinois over the weekend providing you full coverage of the Huskers in the Illini. That's a 2.30 p.m. game on the Big Ten Network. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 